Bond. James Bond. I suppose listening to the Beatles without earmuffs. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. I think you can kiss your trade franchise goodbye. Nobody does it better. Makes me feel bad for the rest. Nobody does it half as good as you, Brooke and Mark. You two are the best. Can I swing on a gun? Oh, I love you too. Anyway, welcome everyone to Kiss Your Franchise Goodbye and our continuing season on the James Bond uh, franchise on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. I'm Andy Wilson of Graphic Policy and Bleeding Cool sometimes, if I ever find time to write stuff. And uh, with me, as usual, are Brooke and Mark. How you two doing? How you doing? How you doing? Doing pretty good. I'm so glad that we got to watch this horrible movie this week. I am so happy that we're starting a new episode (laughs) where we discuss how wrong Brooke is about everything. Who shot first? It was me. I shot first. Shot first. Yeah. It was Brooke. Brooke Brooke shot first on this one. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, let's let's <laughs> get let's get right into <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, let's get right into it. Oh my God. Uh, oh, are like how how we're thinking about about this. Uh, um, yeah, I I am on record as as loving several things. Uh, I love the Cold War. I love trains. This movie has the Cold War. <laughs> And trains. If you and, like this movie because you like trains, it's a pretty. And bar. it has and it has submarines, which is another thing that I love. This movie has all three of those things, and I am so stoked about it. So I, this is my favorite of the Roger Moore. Um, Do you know what this movies? movie like, has that I, I love? What? Boobs. It's got a lot of boobs. <laughs> we, we all love that. And like right from the beginning, he's walking through the submarine, and there's I counted seven pairs right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was you missed it. No. Uh, oh no, I I no. noticed it. We, we, I was like, whoa, <laughs> that, that is that is pornography it. up there on the. <laughs> we, this is one of the things we love about this the movie. only re- the only redeeming part of that theme song is all the shaking boobies running around everywhere. I mean, that was great too. But other than that, yep. there's what you don't like Roger Moore on a trampoline. Come on. Seriously? But my, no. my uh, I, so I saw I, I'm watching all these movies with my daughter and she had major issues with the silhouettes uh with the theme song because she had the same uh complaint that Brooke had like why is that woman swinging on a gun? And I'm like cuz it's there. Right. Okay, no, that is you do not say that to your daughter because it's there. Come I mean, on. What, what else am I going to say? Because men are chauvinist and they used to only want to see their bodies. <laughs> like the bored out pussy shots at the very end of the theme song. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, again, again, a little. If you're put it in there, don't blur it out. Come on. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> We're going there. <laughs> since, how, since I was watching this with my kid, I'm kind of glad he did. 
<laughs> I'm glad they yeah. did as well. I didn't actually mean that. I just like <laughs> there just isn't. There's just but yeah, very uh, much. a little much on the uh, the gun as a phallus imagery in that again. But guys, yeah, so, I feel like for, that was a lot of carryover from the last but, couple of you know, rounds. You know, for me, this is the Roger Moore movie of the Bond franchise. Uh, this is my favorite Roger Moore movie. Really? I think it's his best movie. And I love the theme so song so much. <laughs> it's just sad you're so wrong. Oh. I'm going to get Carly so... Simon to come and kick her ass. No, but it's okay. Oh. But listen, if you could take Sheriff Dipshit out of the last movie, you really Wait. feel... Like the yes. spy who loved me is better yes. than that. Yes. Hmm. Barbara Bach yes. cannot act. She is painful to watch. She's got she's got good skin. Dude, she's better than Goodnight, who messes <sighs> up Bond's plans by rubbing her ass into a handle. Like, okay, dude, but Barbara she Bach could act thousand... the part. Barbara I mean... Bach cannot act the part. She's like, you watch her, and she's like, oh, I should talk now. I will talk like a robot. I mean, that's the director's fault. But she has I a think, sexy Russian accent. I like it. Yeah, I think I think her acting ability aside, I like the character a lot more Me because too. I feel like this is the first time since on Her Majesty's Secret Service where Bond has had a female companion who is anywhere near his equal. And she is easily uh, his equal. Agree. Really? Like you really think so? Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I, like, I when we were going through like I, our favorite Bond girls at the beginning of the podcast, I'm like, my number five is probably Agent Triple X. So, like, I like, I, think I that like they her. do a good job of making her likable, making her seem as though she could be his equal, but then dumbing her down so much that it's it's obnoxious. You're like on mm. a damn seesaw the whole time, like. Oh yeah, she's really cool. Like women drivers, and she like can't drive the freaking car. You got any other tunes you can play? And then they stop and they get out, and she's like, "Oh, it's a busted cylinder gasket." Really? You know what's busted underneath the fucking hood, and you can't put it into reverse? Come on now. Because she's have used little, to rushing gear. Have gears. a little consistency. Oh, shut up. <laughs> that is not it. That, that's probably it, though. If no. I'm in an English Have car, I'm going to be confused for a while. You are not. You are going to know which direction is reverse. <laughs> no. I mean, look, that is so dumb, Mark. There's, no. there's a guy with a metal jaw in his face coming after you. <laughs> You're about to get rattled, man. Give her a break. You're going to get... She's just, okay. This is, uh, if you're communist Russia, that's going to be my defense. <laughs> Russia. In Soviet Russia. No. In Soviet Russia. I'm, I'm going to say you. You weren't in Russia. You don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I, I just wish, I felt like I, I really wanted to like her. Mm-hmm. I feel I like, like you're her. right that the the character is likable and enough if they had kept the consistency of her actually being his equal. But then they, they do these things like where she opens the closet door and Jaws is there. And she's like, oh, oh, James. Like, she didn't scream out for James yeah. in her defense. She oh, tried she to. He shoved his hand over her mouth. 
I mean, yeah, but then she karate chops him a couple times, so that was pretty cool. I mean, he's like, I just feel like they could have kept her like an actually strong character throughout the whole thing instead of going back and forth. That's not Barbara. I agree with that. That's not her fault, but (laughs) and sure, Mark, like the director should be like more aware of how well she is or isn't acting, but like it's painful to watch her. I. That's weird because I just I didn't I didn't get that. I like how she gets really? the upper hand on Bond a couple of times and she does it with great skill. Yeah. Like that. that whole cigarette thing was like boom, buddy. Like she just got the best of him like nobody else has. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, and I feel like there's that back and forth, that one upsmanship. Like that's the stuff that I'm really keyed that in is, on. That's what I, I like. will give you that. That is nice. Yeah. yeah. So. I'll get off my soapbox. I put it away, all right? No, 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 no. Because we it's there's coming plenty... right back out. Don't you worry. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we, we'll we'll let you bring it back out first. Um, story time with Andy as I talk about some of the behind the scenes machinations of this film. Uh, after the man with the golden gun, which I mentioned was, well, not unsuccessful certainly less successful than previous bond films uh the franchise was actually in kind of dire financial straits um and before i get into this one really quick thing uh our our eagle-eared listener doug willoughby uh contacted me and let me know i'd made a couple errors in the last or or things that i had forgotten we forgot in the last episode to talk about how one of the two, uh, one of the two nieces is also the landlady in um, in Kung Fu Hustle. No, and I had that in my notes, and I forgot about it, and I just missed it. That is an important fact, and I feel dumb for not not having brought that up. No way. Uh, yeah, huh. and. And the other thing is, is that the the slide whistle stunt was the first stunt that was ever uh, aided with computer design, uh, meaning that computers helped figure out the trajectory of the card and how to build everything in order to make it work. Uh, not that there was CGI in the shot; that was all practical. But computers helped figure it out. Thank you, Doug. Um, I, I make many errors on this podcast, but and I will fess up to them. That's so al- <laughs> uh, allow me to make a bunch more of them here as I talk about um, <laughs> what's going on. So, okay, uh, this movie, it yeah, uh, as they were moving in to make this movie, um, one of the real stories is what was happening to Harry Saltzman, uh, one of the main producers. Now, remember, this is the same Harry Saltzman who ran off and joined the circus before and got the rights to bond somehow um, and just managed feel like any of this can actually be true. I know it, it is crazy. Go back and listen to the Dr. No episode for all of the backstory on that and how Saltzman managed to finagle his way into making movies with Albert Broccoli. And, um, they film. They formed a corporation called Danjak, D-A-N-J-A-Q, and uh, because the this film had not performed super well, Danjak was in somewhat of financial straits. Uh, Saltzman himself was also in quite dire financial straits, 
he had had a series of movies that uh, not only had failed, he had put a bunch of money in them and then they never even shot. And so like he didn't recoup any of the costs on them. Uh, and uh, that was obviously very terrible. At the same time, uh, he had also purchased Technicolor. And in 1969, Saltzman borrowed 70 million Swiss francs, uh, which is about $40 million from the Union Bank of Switzerland. And then he used that to win control of Technicolor uh, and, uh, through a stock proxy fight, which is essentially like a leveraged buyout. Um, so he had all of this money that he had borrowed. He bought up all the stock and ended up taking over Technicolor. And he put himself on the board. And um, But just three years later, he had to sell off a bunch of those shares, uh, 370,000 shares of the stock in order to repay his loan from the Union Bank of Switzerland. And uh, some of the people who had helped buy up the majority of shares with him uh, were like, hey, what's going on, Saltzman? And uh, basically, uh, he had to he had to sell all of this off in order just to make the basic payments back to uh, the Union Bank of Switzerland. Um, so, uh, there were lawsuits and, uh, Saltzman filed lawsuits against board members of Technicolor claiming conspiracy, quote, seeking to retain his positions in the firm, quote. Um, uh, but for, um, for context, when, uh, when he bought Technicolor, it was at $30 a share, uh, in 1970 and then uh at this time it was selling at eight dollars a share so uh it had lost a huge amount of value this is technicolor they you know they do all this film processing uh for hollywood this should be a no-brainer uh this should not be a problem this should be making money for him no he owes way too much money to the banks and so because of that, um, he goes to Albert Broccoli and says, I will sell you uh, my, my half of Bond. And uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, so instead, um, Saltzman uh, tried to get the Swiss courts to dissolve the company so that he could just sell off his portion of the bond franchise to pay back uh, to pay back Union Bank of Switzerland. Uh, but uh, then at that point, uh, he asked Paramount to step in and and buy it. They refused. Uh, then um, Saltzman uh, went ahead and uh, he ended up selling his half to United Artists. And, uh, and to Broccoli. So, Harry Saltzman's name, this is the first film that does not have his name on the opening credits. So, uh, he is out at this point, but because of all that financial mismanagement, there was lots of money missing from the bank <laughs> to be able to make this happen. Um, so, that is interesting. Uh, 
they they had some some tough times trying to finance this, but were able to put it together. Uh, on top of that, um, remember Kevin McElroy, who co-wrote the the screenplay for Thunderball. Yeah, yeah, he comes back at this point and uh, catches wind that uh, catches wind of the script that they're working on. And says, hey, that sounds way too much like Thunderball. Um, oh, and by the way, you're not allowed to use Spectre. You're not allowed to use Blofeld in this movie. Uh, and you're not allowed to use um, nuclear blackmail. And so he sues Broccoli that and says, you can't use any of these things. And halts the production on this movie. Um until they figure this out. And the court says, yes, you're right. They're not allowed to use Blofeld. They're not allowed to use Spectre. They can use nuclear blackmail. And this is also at the point where the court is like, you're allowed to make as many Thunderball <laughs> remakes as you want, uh, but you can't, you don't have rights on any of the rest of the Bond franchise. So uh, that is sort of the origin of this. But um he tried to stop this movie from being made as well. Uh, they go through all of that and are still able to come out with this. So craziness behind the scenes of, uh, you know, in, in order to just make all of this happen. Um, so that is... Um, so what you're saying is it could have been a good movie? This was a good movie. <laughs> and, and I should notice... I should note as well, um, this is one of the last movies to be named after a uh, Ian Fleming novel. Um, however, it bears almost zero resemblance to the novel that it is named after. The, the Spy Who Loved Me novel uh, does happen to have a henchman uh, with metal braces, but uh, he is nowhere like Jaws, but... Um, but they did decide that, like, hey, let's do something kind of like that. What if we had a guy with big metal teeth and he's a big giant bruiser? Um, it's about the only resemblance to that movie at all. Um, otherwise, I <laughs> I kind of agree with Kevin McElroy, though. Um, this film borrows a lot from Thunderball, but it also borrows a lot from, from Russia with Love. It borrows from a little bit from Goldfinger, uh, a little bit from a lot of places. I feel like this was like a grab bag and mishmash of a sort of greatest hits. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, because I think it turned out well. It, it, I mean, it feels very James Bond. This is like sort of the quintessence of James Bond, because they put all of those elements in there and... We're like, yeah, that is James Bond because that is what we have seen in James Bond movies before. So I don't know. That's sort of sort of my take on on how this movie got made. Well, it worked. I think so. Yeah. Well, it was made. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's get let's get straight into it. Uh, we start off the movie. Um, some submarines get stolen. Uh, and both Russia and England call in their top secret agents. 
uh, in Russia, we are we are at first duped into thinking that this handsome guy is their top agent, but then we actually find out that Agent Triple X is in fact a girl. You. It's what? a girl. <laughs> girl. Oh my gosh! Girls can't be secret agents. Yeah, we're gonna start off right from the very beginning. Girls can't be Ghostbusters. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um. Anyway. So, uh, and then uh, Bond is off in the Alps uh, in almost a mirror image scene where he's sleeping with a beautiful lady. He takes off and uh, she's been reporting on him. Uh, come to find out that it is Agent Triple X's boyfriend who is hunting down Bond. There is a ski chase. Um, the Russian agents die. Bond jumps off a cliff and deploys a parachute and gets away. For England. Yeah. That was a big, For England. That what was a people... big FU. It was beautiful. Yeah. Yes. And when deploying a parachute, you should always kick your skis off above it. Yeah, Just sure. To make it more interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, story about that. When when they premiered this, uh, Prince Charles was at the premiere and uh, was was very happy with that scene, first of all. And apparently uh, that got like a giant like standing ovation. People were like whooping and hollering that they loved that like, oh, call blind me. It's the British flag. <laughs> or I don't know. But like, blimey. you know, it's probably like the that's quite probably endearing. like the moment when we saw like Captain America pick up Mjolnir and uh, you know everyone <laughs> just got so excited the Arabic guy that he goes to see all of a sudden starts speaking in a British accent that was cool <laughs> well you know <laughs> you know England colonized the world so that everyone could speak in a British accent it's Come the on. legacy of Lawrence of Arabia yes yes anyway um but I, I don't know. Let's talk about that opening scene in general. Um, like, other than that, what what else did folks like? What did they not like? You know what? Uh, what I really like is that right off the bat, the production quality in this movie is so much better than Roger's first two uh, movies. Uh, Gone is the grindhouse gritty texture to the movies. Uh, it's a lot cleaner, and Roger actually looks a lot younger than he did in Man with a Golden Gun. Uh, well, not much Agreed. younger, but he, he does look younger, though. Uh, yeah. And so there's a market difference, and the theme song is much better. I don't care what Brooke says. Uh, Carly Simon really knocks it out of the park. So uh, right off the bat, like in the first few minutes, it just gets you so into the movie. It's You know you're going to be in for a treat. I agree mostly, especially on the like cinematography and making it look really good, except that this, this is one of like two or three places in the movie where there is some very noticeable green screen yes. and yes, right. it, mm -hmm. it sticks out a little bit. Uh, the close-ups on Bond as though he's skiing, uh, on Roger Moore. But not as, he's bad, skiing. Um, not as bad as, a, as what she saw in on Her Majesty's Secret Service, because that was really bad. There is an improvement. No, that's true. There, there is an improvement. But um, 
and I generally love the cinematography of this movie. I want to talk about that more later when we get to the Cairo stuff. It's but. so boring. Oh my god. I know. It's so clean and it's so like I know we're talking about this the ski scene, which is probably the best fight scene in the movie. If I had to rank them. Okay. But even then, it's like <laughs> it's so bad. He turns around. What does he shoot him with? Like a fireball? This whole jacket, the Russian guy's jacket catches on fire and then he falls over dead. That was a ski pole. Like, what? It was one of Q's uh, ski poles uh, that fires like a gun. It was awesome. Little rocket. Yeah, yeah a little rocket but gun. But it looked like he pulled out a little flamethrower on a ski mount. Like it... I'll give it to you just because it's Q, but then he just falls out, like, and... <laughs> I, I will say this is the first movie where the gadgets really made, like, a big, big entrance. It did. Oh, wow. The, the ticker tape you... watch? How practical is that really? How practical is that really? Is he going to have to reload it every time he gets a secret message to stop screwing a woman and leave for England? Which is very often for Bond, so yeah. yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's true. Argue that one. <laughs> I, I like yeah. that triple X is little. And they, they start off thing. like a half mile behind him on the ski slope, and then all of a sudden they're like right on top of him. Like, they're whoop. experienced skiers. Mm, so, yeah. They're super handsome. Yes, we are from Russia. Everywhere is snow. <laughs> we are very good skiers. <laughs> when yeah, I was a child, learning we ski. Would both ways to school uphill yes it, it was just you americans with it, your it, boots. it was the best fight scene in the movie i'll give it that much the rest mm, of them I like were it. just well maybe second to the one in the train where he kicks jaws out of the because it was cool to watch him electrocute him by his teeth that that one might have been yeah because it was in a small containment in the train it was okay that it was kind of boring right see see trains that is yeah. why trains are cool small yeah, confined fighting cool. <laughs> they make it excusable to be boring good job <laughs> no and you know what brooke should really love this movie because it really solidifies her poseidon theory like yeah that is, is true. Theory I, it, it was very back. strong on poseidon like i'll give it that much but they all have been so no, this is the strongest. I think this one especially because this Bond is on. This one especially, yes. Bond is on water like sixty percent of this movie. Yeah, right, like some and, form of water, and when he's and, not, he's in like a straight up desert. And the movie yeah. is all about and, and, water and living in the water. That's the whole point to this movie, Brooke. This is your theory in action. You should be loving this. I know it's yeah. too bad they didn't do it well. Oh and when God. and when he's in the desert, Bond is like powerless. Bond doesn't do like anything. anything. He doesn't do anything when he's in the desert. But those get him in the water. Scenes? Oh my gosh, yeah. those fight scenes are so bad. Yeah, so. they're so fake. And he's like, "I'm going to throw a punch." Whoop. Oh, you pretend to duck it. Ah. But the desert did well, give us I mean, the Sheikh's harem, which was nice. Egyptian builders. You see yes, Jaws Egyptian coming up. It was awesome. I mean, you try punching, you try punching Richard Keel in the face with a giant metal mouth. I mean, 
You're not I think that that's well. a that's pretty hard. Yeah, I just don't Aside think I would have turned around as a triple X agent and been like, I will karate chop you. <laughs> what good is I don't know. Do you against a bullet and a giant nine foot man with metal teeth? I don't know. I don't know. We are getting a little ahead of ourselves here, we though. Are. So, I'm sorry. We'll okay, no, it's we'll okay. It's okay. Other. We'll 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 come back when we when we get to the the Cairo stuff. I didn't mean to um, say all the boring. <laughs> oh my god! No, but next we get to talk about <laughs> next we get to talk about the theme song and the opening number even more. I mean, we already talked about it quite a bit, but first let's let's talk about Carly Simon from Lover. Yeah. yeah, and this song is great. Yep. I love this song. Brooke, do you hate it? Yes. Why? I'm bracing myself that Brooke hates it. Oh no. I really do. Well, why do you hate it? Like I, because I really again, it's boring. I, really? Really? It oh. goes nowhere. There's no climb in the music. It just sort of like putzes along, like a submarine in the water. I mean, I don't know. And then he like goes up like all the women in their nakedness and their weird boots. And he like pushes the row of army girls down and they all fall over. Mm-hmm. And then she's swinging on another gun. Oh, look, there's Russian girls. Gun. Russian girls. <laughs> there's a lot of like shaking boobies. Yeah. While they're running. Yep. I'm not, hearing, nice. I'm not hearing any, you know, cons against this. All I'm hearing is pros. <laughs> it's boring. What's here, Brooke? <laughs> This song is just, I, I love this song because it breaks from the whole, we're going to describe everything that's about to happen, you know? And, okay, but let's, let's, let, okay, wait, let's go back 50 years, okay? Or 40 years, because that's how old I am. We'll go back 40 years in time, all right? You're a young girl. You know nothing about being able to actually have a mind of your own Mm -hmm. you think you do and everyone is telling you that's cute just be a secretary have babies like do what your mother did and you're you go to the movie theater and you're watching this movie and in the very first five minutes of the movie you see seven sets of tits taped up on the side of the submarine you see them mocking the fact that a woman can't possibly be triple x and then that opening theme song of them swinging on guns and being his play toys like seriously and you have this woman singing in the background serenading all of this like grotesque it's just no and then the music doesn't even go anywhere it doesn't do anything no one's better than you no See, I think I you. think it actually goes really can well. Be so great. Let me shake my boobs some more. Well, I mean, this the movie is called "The Spy Who Loved Me," and this is a love song, so there is that. <laughs> it's a love song. Then he should not right. be chasing them around and pushing them over. I mean, I mean, we're complaining. I I I agree with yeah, that. Point. There... I I think yeah. I think having Roger Moore in the opening credits does do it a little bit of disservice. I think they could have done something a little better. But. It's just tired. Even 
for its time, it was overplayed. So here's the thing uh, that I think what we're what we're doing right now is that we're conflating two things: the imagery and the song itself. So if you mm -hmm. take the song itself on its own merits, I think it's a damn good song. I agree. You know, but imagery be damned, like whatever's happening uh, uh, on screen, the song itself is just freaking great. I absolutely love it. You heard me singing it, Brooke. You heard my lovely singing voice. You yeah. didn't, like, yeah, you didn't like that? I thought you were better in Wizard of Oz. <gasps> I didn't even sing in Wizard of Oz. There we go. <laughs> and that's why I liked it, Andy. You had a non-singing part. Oh, you didn't? That's weird. Yeah, no. Hmm. There are there the wizard doesn't have any songs. I know. You played the wizard? Yeah. I was. I was the wizard. Huh. I would have gone for the cowardly lion. Yeah. I <laughs> were the king of the forest. I want. I wanted that to be the Tin Man. That was also better than nobody does it better. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I wanted to be the Tin Man just so I could go. I like the Wizard of Oz. I like the Tin Man. <laughs> anyone like the? Did anyone get that reference? Yes. Okay. Of course. You a would. Christmas story. Yes, of course. Anyway. Um, Okay, um, but it, it, anyway, the but this song, I agree, Mark. I think it is just like such a pure ballad, and yep. that's why I like it. I like Carly Simon. I like her voice. Her voice I like is nice. that. I I I actually like the way the song kind of builds. It starts off very very simple, and then it goes into the like, I wasn't looking. Yep. And then and then it's like. <laughs> And, and it's like you keep it. I don't know. It, it builds but in up. their I, songs, too, but they do it well. But that's the beauty about her her song. And, and this is the beauty okay. of Carly Simon. Like it begs for a crescendo and it doesn't give it to you because it doesn't need to get there. This song is just so fucking great. I, I, I can't say how wrong Brooke is right here. But I, I do hear Brooke's point about like if you're a little girl and this is what you're given. I get it, and yes. Like I just, Mark, I just feel like that's saying that she's the the music is begging for it to be musical, and instead she says no. <laughs> because because she's I will got the not power be musical. No, I will stay right here. Doesn't need to do give you, you man, what you want. She's gonna give you what she wants. This song is a feminist <laughs> statement. You don't get what you want. Written by a man. <laughs> you get what you need. No, I just, I just, I just think it's sad. I used to oh. respect you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, since since we talked about since we talked about live and let die a few weeks ago in that theme song, I need to like quickly bring up something that happened in the news this week, which was Donald Trump touring the like. Uh, personal protective equipment mask factory oh and, like, yeah <laughs> some, some baller decided to put live and let die on in the background as he's touring <laughs> and he's not wearing a mask around anyone you're just like oh my god that is yeah. amazing oh. i will say i had that song going through my head all damn week 
as I really? was like watching people walking around. Like I felt like it was the perfect COVID theme song. Like I really did. <laughs> it was like everywhere I went, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this fits. Yep. Which is kind of sad. <laughs> I'll let you die and I'll let you die and I'll let you can we just choose that you are the ones that get to die? But yeah. But it like, was. It was going when... through my head all week. And the fact that someone actually put that music on in the background, that's amazing. And then when Axel Rose got on Twitter to talk about it and like when Axel Rose is calling you, Donald Trump, an asshole, like, <laughs> that is like yeah. the ultimate pot calling the kettle black. But Does like Axel yeah. have a jack? If if Axel thinks <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Brooke. I I understood yeah, that reference. Yeah. <laughs> it was just very recently. Rex Manning Day. Rex Manning Day. Yeah, we had to watch Empire Records. That was an Empire Records reference for folks who didn't. Brooke, you are the best at like just throwing in random references. Like (laughs) twice during this podcast, you've just gone like big gulps, huh? See ya. (laughs) I'm just like that is the best. (laughs) Yeah, I really like that one. Have either of you seen the movie The Sweetest Thing? Yes. No, I don't think I have. Who's on? Who's in it? Oh my God, Cameron Diaz Cameron and Selma Blair. Selma Blair. It's so. It's like I was explaining oh, it God. to my sister-in-law just last night. The sweetest thing is like Dumb and Dumber, on lots of cocaine and a lot of sex, and it's amazing. It's one of the the best films I've ever seen because it's all. It's like every dick flick you've ever seen done by women. And it's it's incredible. But I quote like little random things from that movie all the time, and no one knows, especially in Utah, because no one would ever watch that movie. And I like to throw them in. And when people actually get the reference, like, does Axel have a jack? It makes me really happy. Yeah. It, now I'm gonna like, have to watch it. You should. Oh, you're my people. It's way anyway. better than the movie. <laughs> anyway, okay. So we're done with the theme song and the and the opening. Um, I guess let's take two seconds and talk about the music in this movie in general. This is one of the first movies to be less traditionally scored. It doesn't have like a full score. Um, There's like classical music that's being used. And then disco funky disco. My daughter calls it funky cottage cheese. I don't know why, but she kept repeating it. She was really digging the disco, man. And, you know, I've, I've always thought it was cool, but it's so unbond like. I'm not sure I like it, but it entertained yeah. the hell out of my daughter, so I'll give it that. And you know what? <laughs> That's the part of the movie I really like. Oh my God. <laughs> That's the funny thing is, like, I'm kind of like, I kind of <laughs> dig this, but at the same time, I know that it doesn't work. Yeah, it did. It doesn't. Like so it. I liked. I liked the music. I liked the classical. I was like half and half on the times where they try to throw the theme theme song into the the background music, like mm-hmm. on the bed in the train. I was like, eh. all right. Oh, uh, nobody and, does her better. The sexy sax. The sexy saxophone was fucking hilarious. Uh, my <laughs> as soon as it came out, my kid couldn't stop laughing. She's she was like, "This is so ridiculous!" And it just it came across yeah. as like cartoonish, 
Uh, it, yeah, kind of like a slide whistle. <laughs> kind of like a slide whistle. It just—it didn't work at all. No, it, it and I don't. Okay, see, here's the thing. Also... Here's the thing, though. He is not in love with her, right? Can we all can we all concede that? He's not in love with any woman anymore. Well, anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. So to be playing a song in the background that says nobody does it better is disingenuous to him and i mean first of all nothing for the women they're gonna have all sorts of other people who are actually going to love them better so to have this love song like he doesn't love her that's none of those spies love you like they just but what exactly is he doing better i've never had sex with james bond so i can't confirm or deny if he's better at it than everybody else well i mean he's probably pretty good at raping I mean, ooh, shots ooh, fired. yeah, shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> well, in previous movies, movie? yes. Yes. Uh, we're, just, we're glad to re- we're glad to report that this movie was very much rape free. It's kind yes. of like with um, oh, what was what was the the one in the Bronx? Living and let die. die. Live and let die. It was Harlem. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Sorry. Oh, yeah, Harlem. Live and let die. Yes, but, but it was Harlem. Yes, Harlem. Harlem. Yeah. Harlem. I thought. All right, I'm just my mind is not working right. I just for reference, I have a major migraine right now, so that's why oh. I'm a little like over animated and forgetting things. But um, the title of that movie, like like when we discussed it in the, it just the only reason that it has anything to do with the movie is because they repeat it all over the place. It, it's not really representative of the movie, and I just I feel like. Maybe that's what really bothers me about the theme song, is that these spies don't love each other. It's not really representative of what's going on in the movie, and it's really annoying. So don't play mm. a love song about them. But you know, that's the thing with spy work, though. Like you buy into your cover story so much that sometimes you get lost. This has been an issue, though, uh, and it's been documented with U.S. spies that they do get lost into their work and they have to be deprogrammed. So, like, that the fact that they could well, fall in love, sure. yeah, I, I believe that. I, are they really in love? We could debate that, and it's the answer is probably no. But at the moment, they're convinced that they are, uh, because that's the world they've created for themselves. Well, but I don't feel like they're being. even, like, I don't feel like the characters are even think that they're in love with each other. They know what parts they're playing the entire movie. Mm. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I can see that. But they're also they going through a lot of traumatic. They they always are trying to like watch out for each other and everything else around them. They don't. So to have the the theme song be this love ballad that's supposed to be representative of of what? In their defense, though, they did save each other's lives a couple of times. I'm sure they have love for each other in their hearts because they're still alive. Well, that's that's but, the feeling that goes to the gonads. In this movie, whatever, <laughs> whatever. That's a my heart, my heart is breaking right now because I really wanted to believe that there was a love story in this movie, and you have like <laughs> shattered that for me. And I'm like, Brooks, right? Oh my gosh! I don't know. They, I, I they never do thought, not love each other. I never thought that was the case. I don't. I don't think they like were just super in love with each other. She well, even I don't think they were super in love with each other. He references his marriage, and and he stops her. He stops her cold. He's like, "That's enough. Like, you you can stop now." 
So like Tom uh, got triggered by that hardcore. Yeah, he did. And yeah. I don't think I don't think he allows himself to fully love anybody else anymore. And this is going to be a constant for the next I don't know how many films until we get a, a clean reboot. Um, yep. But that but that's Bond now. Like they, he has no room for real romantic love anymore. Uh, it's just not going to happen. The woman that he loved was killed in front of him, and he's not he's never going to relive that anymore. But this is as good as it gets, and I think he, he he really digs her. Then call it as good as it gets instead of the spy who loved me. But it's a different movie. I know. Brilliant, but but different. <laughs> also horrible. <laughs> Jack Nicholson Jack is Nicholson. retired James Bond. That's he's like, that's why he's I so take a man, <laughs> and I take it reason and accountability. That movie actually spun me out into like a major anxiety, like panic attack. Really? I love that movie. Yeah, yeah it was hard for me. You yeah. Know, living with, a... with Asperger's and watching that movie and see his whole life like destroyed as he got older and weirder and weirder and harder. I was like, oh God, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't good. It was bad. Wow. <laughs> it's a brilliant movie. Though. I'm happy to say that it hasn't happened yet. So, woo. Whatever happened to Greg Kinnear? And his little dog. I don't know. That dog was adorable, but man, and Greg Kinnear was in movies too. for a while, and then like he played Joe Biden. That Anita uh, Hill uh, series. Yeah. Well, there's that. Yeah. And he'll be able to yeah. play him again once Joe Biden becomes president. I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Greg Kinnear. Greg Kinnear becomes like the new Alec Baldwin for. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. anyway, okay, okay, okay. Let's let's go. We that was a serious bird walk. Let's let's go. Let's go back to um, the spy yeah, who loved we me. We do not have twelve hours to get through this podcast. No, no, no. Let's uh, let's let's fast forward through as as much of this as possible. So the main the next main set piece. Um, Desert, Bond goes to Cairo. Bad fighting. Boom, boom. Yeah. So they Cigarette. go to Cairo. There's lots of pyramids. Yeah. Yeah. There's pyramids. There's the Sphinx. Oh, he does Um, his classic use a woman as. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, yeah. Bond like, and this is also the first time where Bond doesn't have to sleep with the first woman in order to make her dead. He just kisses her and then like, boom, she's dead. Like 30 (laughs) seconds later. One kiss. And she's like, no, I've changed my mind. Don't kill him. What? Right. Kill then, that part did yeah. bother me. And you know what? Uh, my daughter pointed it out. Uh, the first thing she said was like, why did she do that? Like, And that, that's a real good question. Why the sudden change of heart? Why protect Bond? Like, you just met him five seconds ago. That, that part really rubbed me the wrong way. So that one I will prep. Yep. It's Bond's magic penis, but this time his lips. So, but it's the same thing. It's like he sleeps with someone and then they're like, you know, they're smitten, they're turned, they're dead. Um, I wanted to point out one other thing that, that I really love about this section. And that is that I think that for the most part, um, Bond is not really a cinematic franchise. There are very few of these films where I'm like, wow, those shots look like very beautifully composed. 
this film, I think they do an amazing job on the cinematography and it is unmatched until they get to the great Roger Deakins in Skyfall who shot that movie to hell that like that movie looks amazing. Yeah. Because everything Roger Deakins does looks amazing. Yep. Agreed. Um, I, I just, but I love this. I think that this movie looks great and especially the stuff in Cairo. I feel like they take a long time to set up a lot of these shots and they're really wide. They're really beautiful. They use the landscape. It's very clear that like they are there. Unlike in some other times uh, in the franchise where it's like, Oh yeah, we're in, we're in this place, but not really. Um, but I, I, so I really like that about this part of the movie. I, I love uh, the lighting and the, uh, the music, especially when it reveals Jaws. Mm-hmm. It's so perfect. It, it sets the mood perfectly. Uh, that That's one of the best parts of the movie that those, what uh, it's about like minute stretch, maybe less, but it's, it's perfect because uh, Jaws just is so menacing and the lighting the way his face lights up when he bites that guy's neck. I mean, it was just the, that 10 minute stretch is absolutely perfect. Right. Except that he bites into the neck, he bites into the chain and there's nothing on his mouth. There's nothing that he spits out of his mouth. He just like magic mouth. That's always clean and nothing to dispose. Titanium. Yeah. I don't know. It's so unbelievable. <laughs> Is, is Jaws made out of unobtainium? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agreed with you. All of your theories. <laughs> I agreed with you, especially on the chain, because I was looking at that. I'm like, okay, where's the where's the shrapnel? Like, there should be something that he should be spitting out. It just would have been so much scarier. Mm-hmm. So much more believable for him to chomp into it and then spit it out like a mother. Like, <sighs> I, I think the censors would you. not have let them get away with like blood coming out of his mouth, yeah. though. It was a different. But, but they show blood on, like, what's his name's coat after he falls out of the the phone booth. Right, but that's so they're, but they're that's, not opposed not to showing it, like... blood. So like he doesn't have to have blood like spewing out of his mouth, but like maybe like wipe his lips with the back of his hand or something and show some red on his sleeve. I don't know. Anything to make it believable. I agree with you on that. But yeah, I'm, but I am thinking like that the sensors might've had some problems with that, but, but yeah, like a little bit, I think they could have gotten away with (laughs) Blurred pussy shots. Those, those are good, but a little blood on the sleeve. Well, you know, a little, a little bit of, a little bit of sex if you can't actually see it is okay. You know, it's not, it's not like anyone is going to like be able to zoom in on those, uh, those, those Playboy pictures, uh, you know, strung I mean, up on the. I don't feel as though I need to keep saying it, but I have a lot of problems with this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no, I get sorry, it. no. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I was actually trying to be quiet for a minute so we could get through the movie before it's like three hours into this. But yeah, it's hard. 
No, I was totally broken. I'm kind of sad because I thought all three of us were going to be like all in on this movie. But yeah. that's a good. Th- it's a good thing to have, you know, different opinions. But I, I honestly yeah. thought, oh, this is the one movie we're all gonna like. It's this. This is gonna be easy. It's gonna be cool. It's still right. cool, but I'm just surprised. But I get it. I still think yep. Jaws is cool though. And you gotta remember, I saw this when he I is. Uh, how old was I? I was when I first saw this movie. Maybe he was eight? really scary still yeah yeah when i saw this as an eight-year-old i was like holy shit this guy's gonna eat my face off and he's probably in every corner and he's a giant and his and hand was as big as... did you see when he was choking james bond his hand was as big as his face like he was yeah. choking james bond with one hand and it covered his face like jesus christ this guy's scary Way scarier yeah. than that stupid Teehee guy and his stupid Sandor? arm. Sandor all, was kind of all... scary too. Sandor was kind of scary, but like he comes and goes so quickly. And that scene where he's like pretending to slip off the side of a building and holding on to the, to the tie. To the tie. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, James isn't even moving. It's such garbage. Yeah, such that garbage. is garbage. I, I kind of dug it. I, dug, I liked it. The fight was know. just like slow motion. Ugh. I'm done. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, that's, that's okay. You're you're allowed to not like things. It's, and... it's the best. It's the best James Bond movie ever. <laughs> don't patronize us, Brooke. I'm gonna shut them up. I, I give up. It was fine. It was great. <laughs> it it was lovely. Eight out, of- <laughs> eight yeah. out of ten. I give it three stars. Well, you you both mentioned having seen Jaws at an early age. Uh, I will admit, um, the first movie I saw with him in it was Billy Madison, uh, the oh, Great yeah. Richard Neal <laughs> in that tiny. In He's that good little- in that movie. And He's I'll hilarious. see you in the parking lot. Lots. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Play it where yeah. it lies. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's. Uh, but yeah. So when I finally saw this uh, a few years after that, I'm like, oh, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> the Billy Madison. Good guy. time. Yeah, the Billy Madison the, guy. Uh, who everyone when they were watching Billy Madison, they're like, oh, it's Jaws. Hey everybody, this is Andy, hard at work in the editing bay. By which, of course, I mean my laptop. We're editing the podcast that you've just heard yes i heard it we repeatedly just made the mistake of mixing up the adam sandler comedies billy madison and happy gilmore yes richard keel was in fact in happy gilmore the golfing movie not billy madison the movie about the boy who has to go back to school in order to inherit his parents uh, hotel fortune richard keel in Happy Gilmore, not Billy Madison. You know who is in Billy Madison, though? Bradley Whitford. Yeah, that's right. Has that guy always just played an asshole? I mean, think about it. Adventures in Babysitting, Get Out, and, you know, the West Wing, he's lovable as Josh Lyman. Kind of an asshole. But he was our asshole. We love Bradley Whitford. Anyway. Richard Keel, Happy Gilmore. 
Bradley Whitford, Billy Madison. All right, back to the podcast. Uh, anyway, uh, the Cairo stuff, we talked about the car stuff, and yeah, that's kind of problematic and a little bit dumb. Um, let's talk about James Bond's car, though. Although, I guess, Love it. I guess that's when they get into Sardinia more. So, we're transitioning into Sardinia. They get the Lotus. How, I love it. how do we feel about that? You love it. I love it. I love I know, it, too. I, yeah, it, it, I just love it. Dude, I mean, once again, I was an eight, nine-year-old kid. There's a freaking Lotus that turns into a submarine. I mean, what more do you want? Man? Right. Like, that part was cool. Mm-hmm. And then they, like, go through this whole, like, underwater scene, right? And then right. They, they're, like, getting fired on and this stuff is happening. And then all of a sudden, she's like, James, James, they're going to run off the end of the... I mean, we're like, we're... Okay, we're skipping over the whole chicken scene where oh, okay. Mr. Man on the motorcycle like decides to not just slow down. Instead, ramps his sidecar into the side of a chicken and then spins off the edge in like a flying circle onto it's the ground below though. him. And James is like, all those feathers and he still can't fly. <laughs> I love that so much. He falls then, for so long. So long. <laughs> It just keeps going. James to pull his parachute out. Like, it's so ridiculous. And then they, like, run Tell my mother I love her. (laughs) And my aunt. And my uncle. And And don't forget my neighbor's dog. And my dog. Yeah, so then the helicopter shows up. And it's, like, sexy with sexy pants. And she's just, like, shooting. And she's flirting with him. Yeah. She's she's getting him him. Yeah. Yes. Love it. And then, while all of this is happening, she's got a helicopter with two guns that can fire everywhere but on the car repeatedly. And every time that James turns around in the car, she, like, turns the helicopter around instead of just waiting to see what direction he goes. It's so ridiculous. It's so overplayed. They fly off the edge of the dock into the water, and he goes, I hope you can swim. And she's like, no, James, no. And they go into the water, and everything's fine. And then holes start coming up and she pushes a magic button and james goes how did you know to do that i stole the blueprints for this car what you stole the blueprints for the car and you were surprised that you were fine going under the water yeah that's a little that yeah that's that's again playing into the dumbness of the woman oh we're gonna shock her with james's brutal man force and then she's like supposed to come up and the and one up him on the back end after being surprised that they weren't dying like it's just so dumb maybe she forgot about the car (laughs) i forgot this was the car i was in but now that we're underwater i remember everything i think when it turns to a submarine she's like oh this is the car (laughs) oh this one (laughs) <laughs> you tricky James. I the thought it was a Mustang. The car was red. <laughs> I didn't know it would be white. So, Garbage. yeah. I I like the car though, and the I car think is cool. And I will say that Q throughout the whole movie, I love him in this one. Oh yeah, he's great. Q he is great, great in, this in this movie. Oh, this is one of my favorite Q performances of the entire franchise, I think. Yeah, Q's awesome. Uh, but also uh, the the observatory didn't that remind y'all of the Legion of Doom? 
Oh yeah. Yeah. So there's there's that. Meanwhile. Question. Meanwhile, in the legend of doom. Yep. Totally. That, yeah. So that, so I love that part. I'm, you know, the car turns into submarine. You have the legion of doom. Uh, it, you know, there, there's an underwater uh, fight scene, which is very Thunderball-esque, but except with more action, and it's a lot quicker. I mean, everything about it was right? brilliant. And, and the way he comes out of the ocean, and he dangles that little fish, it, it was kind of funny. Yeah, the it whole, drops the it off worked. the side while the people are like, ooh. Uh, the whole thing worked for me. Very silly. I don't understand so, why. One piece of <laughs> trivia. Um that that was an actual working submarine car no way. they actually built that yes oh. and guess who owns it right now elon musk that is true oh no way I, did you I just guess right. that or did you google that that's amazing yeah wow. no he, he would be he the guy who owns it. it though you know yes. what happened with this movie okay that actually makes this really redeeming to me because what ended up happening was they sunk all of their money into a submarine car, and so then they couldn't produce a good movie. And then Elon Musk <laughs> bought the car, and that makes it all okay. <laughs> no, but he, he he bought it and said that what well, he wanted to do... Poseidon for the win! <laughs> um, so the, the, the submarine car does not have wheels. It is just a submarine. The shot of, like, the... Uh, the wheels going up and everything, that is one of several models that they shot. Those were just close-ups. That wasn't like an actual practical vehicle or anything. Um, so there's the the car that they drive around on land, and then there's the submarine car. And Elon Musk bought the submarine car, known colloquially as Wet Nelly. Oh, uh, my so God. He, I know. I thought Mark would like that. I hate uh, so that. He bought the Wet Nelly model and said that he wanted to convert it so that it would actually turn from a car to a submarine. Uh, he apparently has not done that. And um, and as of this week, announced on Twitter, he's selling all of his possessions anyway. So hmm. I, I guess that means if Mark, if you would like to buy, if you would like to buy the Wet Nelly, from Elon Musk, you you will be able to. I will be starting a GoFundMe page, which all listeners, please visit my future website where you all can donate the hundred, two hundred dollars maybe each, a thousand, up to you guys. <laughs> this is a dream. Uh, help me. At out least here. five thousand. At least. At least. At least. You know, help a brother out, man. You know how many Let's tricks I could get with that photo. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but let's do it like Patreon where like $10,000 you get like you get to go on a submarine ride or I'll pick you, you up. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh give give Mark $100, we will give you a wet willy. I'll I'll um, send you a picture. Uh the $10,000 tier though, I will pick you up. Uh $100,000 tier, I will give you a ride in the ocean. That's a promise. Oh. Uh, or my name. And he'll spoon after. He'll give you a ride on something. <laughs> I will give you the James yep. Bond treatment. Oh, yep. no. Give you a exactly. wet Nelly with my ride. I'll give you a wet Nelly. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> okay. So before we were talking about the car, we briefly talked about Naomi. 
the the femme fatale henchwoman. Um, Brooke, speaking of boobs, what did you think of her? God damn. Mm, like <laughs> you need a she's moment. spectacular <laughs> i need a moment her eyes the shape of her eyes oh she's so sexy. are stunning mm-hmm. and that bikini did everything right yeah i just i think it's funny that like bond is running around and they're like they're supposed to be mr and mrs sterling and at like every single turn Somebody is still flirting with Bond. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Like the, the hotel staff, uh, Naomi, um, like, and and Anya is sitting over there, like, giving her a look like, homewrecker. <laughs> like, it's great. Like, get out of here, temptress. He is mine. And I'm like, whoa, you're getting kind of into this fake marriage. Like, what what is going on here? She's serious about keeping think, up appearances. Like, being a woman, I don't think it was because they were flirting with him. I think she's just annoyed at his ogling of women. Mm-hmm. And feeling like another one of the the clan. And just being annoyed mm-hmm. that she has to play that part. Got it. Anyway, but Naomi... Naomi is freaking cool. Yeah. And she when I went looking... Her. When I went looking through the the IMDb pages of all of these people who are in these movies, I figured out something really cool about her. She is the main girl in the Adam Ant Goody Two Shoes music video. Oh no she way! She is the girl journalist. Yeah, don't <laughs> drink, don't smoke. What do you do? You don't drink, don't smoke. I'll be looking uh, that up. I love that song. I love that music video. It is cheesy and hilarious and sudden innuendos follow. And yeah, that was like, that was like my theme song in high school. I love that song. So very, very much a commentary on my life. Um, Yeah, but yeah, funny that she was, she's in that music video because that is, that is a fun music video. Um... You know who we haven't talked about at all? And I think this is indicative of this movie. We have not talked at all about Carl Stromberg, the villain of this movie, because I think he is so damn forgettable. He's weak. (sighs) Yeah, I know he's German, but for some reason, he sounded a little French. Was that just me? I don't know. Uh, I feel like he follows suit for the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And that it's all weak. Ooh. Ooh. Wow. Damn. I, 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 I like... Today. I know. I just I can't accept it. Um, I did like that his choice of music. Mm-hmm. It's like when Bond walked down and he's looking at all the fish and he sees the woman's arm still just sitting there with her jewelry still on. That's hilarious to me. I think that's really funny. <laughs> but that's, see, and that's the problem with feeding people the sharks. They don't finish their meals. Jeez, come They're on, people. Yeah, all the kids in Africa. Jesus. Hey, but you know, the thing is, I, 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 I get why he was doing what he was doing. 
but they're he just isn't menacing you know aside from he's feeding people to sharks like i i don't really fear him he's just a big old fat white dude we agree agree. yes it happened (laughs) mark it's it's been an hour now and we we finally came to an agreement but anyway so like he just two hours oh yeah it's, it's been a while but uh, he, he's just not menacing. That's his biggest sin. Like, if he were just scary, like, maybe there'd be something more to this. But he, he just isn't. I mean, he's better than Jimmy Dean and, and all that mess from Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, <laughs> so I'll give him that. It's, but but he's just, there. there isn't anything to him. And I wish there was more lethality behind his menacing character, but there isn't. I mean, he lets Jaws take, take all that glory. Which is cool because right. I love Jaws. Right, I agree. He's he's just he's just kind of there, and his 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 plot, while interesting, is also like, hmm, wouldn't it be better if we all just lived under the ocean? And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you are truly crazy. Yeah, uh, he, it'd be so. kind of funny if Disney revealed that he's actually Sebastian. That's a that's the big that's the big plot reveal. It's all under the sea. Under the sea. Yeah. Anyway, um yeah, the like the but like wow, cool. Like let's steal some nuclear submarines and fire off nuclear warheads at at each other. Cool idea. Very cool idea. The end game, let's all live underwater. Okay, dude. (laughs) I guess if that's that's what you want to do. But um, I don't know. Uh, He he has the Troy McClure fish fetish or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, but like as but as a Bond villain, like does not even register. Just like. I don't know. Cool plot, but all you like, think about is Jaws. Yeah, all you think about is Jaws. Jaws yeah. is like the impression that you get from this movie. Um, Stromberg, like who? And I mean, the original idea that this would have been Blofeld is like maybe more interest interesting, but I don't know. Also, potentially more tricky if they actually were to do that. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, it wasn't, and it didn't happen, and we transition into the final third of the movie where I think here's where I'm going to agree with Brooke. I think this movie slows down and gets kind of boring. I think it has a weak final act. Um, I thought it was going along super, super well up to this point, and I think the end... uh, there are like entire sequences where I'm just like, you could lose that, but I don't know. But there's, but there's massive battles um, with lots of guns and the grenade budget on this movie was Jesus huge. Yeah. Like where, 50 grenades go off in this movie. Everybody Great. has grenades. Everybody. Everybody has. Like everybody. They, it would have been awesome if like some grab on a wheelchair would have been chucking grenades as well. Like, Everybody had a grenade. Like, where, where did you he get find a grenade? It? You get a grenade. Everybody, Everybody gets, gets a grenade. A grenade. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm just like, what? Wait, what? 
I think the final, the end of this movie slows down. I think Stromberg gets a weak death. Um, the fight against Jaws is much better. And I just, I feel like it's a, it's a kind of weak ending to what I think is otherwise a really great movie. I really like the way uh, he got the magnet to, you know, get Jaws and then dump him onto the shark. Just when you think that the right. shark's going to get him, he's like, yeah, bro, I got teeth too. That that stuff was really cool. But yeah, Stromberg, he's just an overall weak character, weak villain. I feel like, I feel like the movie is just like, like the magic behind Stromberg is that the movie is just like calling for a crescendo and instead he doesn't give it to them and just stays weak. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes full circle. And now you understand the beauty of that song. Except that it just stays weak and it's just <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> You're the worst. <laughs> that was really, really good. That that was, thank you, bro. That was I'm awesome. Sorry. You just make it so easy to use your words against you. <laughs> I do. Oh. I, I do that by talking. No, I bring it up on my by defending a really bad movie. That's what you do. It's not a bad Oh my god. I'm I'm kidding. I love you. I'm Dude. scared to talk okay. about it. It's great. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> okay. Um anything else about the the end of this movie or should we should we move into the the post? Yeah, let's end? move into the post. Okay. Well, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Let's do that. Okay. So yeah, the the movie ends and uh, they bang on a life raft thing and everybody sees it. So there we Bedroom go. Diplomacy. Yeah. Um. So this movie came out uh, about two months after Star Wars. So um, Star Wars, I think nothing but Star and- Wars. So that makes it really easy to justify it not making more money, even though it really just would have been bad. Oh, hold, hold on, hold on. Oh. Let's let Eddie talk. No, I, because <laughs> I, I what I was actually going to say is that given that it came out like a couple of months after Star Wars, this movie did really freaking well. Like that's it's actually pretty amazing, um, given given the context. Uh, this was, um, so this movie made, uh, 46.8 million at the domestic box office, uh, which inflation adjusted, that's $191.1 million. That's almost $200 million. Uh, so that would have been, that would have been like way one of the top 10 movies of, of last year. Um, but you know, it was a, it was a big, big year, um, and actually ended up only at number 11 for the year. Number one is star Wars, which made 460.9 million, which again, adjusted for inflation, Star Wars has made more money, made more money in its first year of release in its original theatrical release than any other movie adjusted for inflation. Um, Gone with the Wind has made more money adjusted for inflation 
because it stayed in theaters essentially for 30 years and had several other re-releases on top of that. And so all of that balled together makes it the overall winner. But Star Wars, well, yeah, but Star Wars, its initial release um, is the number one inflation adjusted movie of all time. Um, so uh, th this made literally one tenth of what Star Wars did. But this movie, this um, this year also then had at number two, Close Encounters of the Third Kind at 169 million. Saturday Night Fever, speaking of disco soundtracks, uh, at 139.4 million. Smokey and the Bandit at 126.7 million. The Goodbye Girl, In Search of Noah's Ark, Oh God, You Devil, A Bridge Too Far, The Deep, The Rescuers, and The Spy ah. Who Loved Me. And then right underneath The Spy Who Loved Me was Annie Hall, Semi Tough, and then Pete's Dragon. Aww, so the rescuers was really good. Yeah, the rescuers is and the Pete's rescuers dragon. and Pete's dragon. I love Pete's dragon so much. Um, I should point out that uh, this this movie was nominated for three Oscars, one of which was for Brooke best song. So mm. oh, <laughs> you know what? Vindicated. You know what, that has happened on other movies. With their songs that you guys have hated, so I know that's it. true. That's, that's a loser's argument, but okay. Uh, the but the other best original song. No accounting uh, for bad taste, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but the the other best original songs from that year, uh, "Someone's Waiting for You" from the Rescuers, uh, "The Slipper and the Rose Waltz" uh, from the Slipper and the Rose by Richard and Robert Sherman, the Sherman mm. Brothers, also of Disney. Candle on the Water Aww. from Pete the Dragon. Uh, and the winner for Best Original Song was You Light Up My Life from You Light Up My Life. So so they have to throw in one garbage one in there just to like make it easier to... Oh, holy cow, Brooke. Oh, God. You are mean. <laughs> I was going to say that's like a murderer's row of really good songs that year. <laughs> but I'll be your candle on the water. <laughs> um, the oh the other places where it was nominated for Academy Awards again this year, Star Wars ran away um, with a ton of um, of Academy Awards, especially in the technical categories. Uh, but this was nominated also for best art direction and for and for best original score, uh, Marvin Hamlish, uh, which again this was this was a pretty uh, tough category because he went up against not one but two classic John Williams scores, both Close Encounters and Star Wars. Uh, Star Wars, of course, winning the Oscar for best original score. The Spy Who Loved Me Disco Redux uh, did not win. Um, well, so... I'm glad it got a participation award. <laughs> wow, these uh, you know these these Gen Xers and baby boomers and their participation trophies. 
with their disco music and their long no, that hair. That is cool that it got nominations. That's cool. That's good. Yeah. So, but this is one of the first times where where a Bond movie actually got, um, you know, some some Oscar buzz, which is interesting, um, because this had not been seen as an awardsy <laughs> franchise before, and, um, you know, I. I have a personal theory. I think Star Wars helped kick in the door a little bit and say that, you know, pop cinema can be award-winning too. Um, and and I think that it... I think in 1977, a lot of things started changing about, you know, what movies are important. And um, I'm not saying that the Spy Who Loved Me is as important a movie as Star Wars or Close Encounters or Annie Hall, but it is a movie that was very popular and, uh, you know, I, I think deserves some credit here. So, yeah, Brooke. <laughs> yeah, good job, Star Wars. I mean, Bond. Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, good job, Star Wars. Uh, I mean, I just. I, I think that was that was a really I think it was a really big deal. I think Star Wars helped. Um, Star Wars also then drastically changed the franchise because in the credits of this movie it said that James Bond will be back in right. For Your Eyes Only. But that is not the next movie. The next movie is Moonraker <laughs> because we got to do a space movie. Because Star Wars. Money's in space, Albert. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, but, okay, so so that is the box office, the awards. Let's talk about our, um, our favorites, our awards. Uh, characters. Who are our favorite side characters from, from this? Triple X. <laughs> you're throwing that out there now you're now on your box I'm kidding I'm totally kidding <laughs> I, I do like her for reasons I've stated before I like her I like but. her but my favorite is Jaws just of course I, I, I love that I love how he's comfortable. I love how he keeps coming back uh, the dude just won't quit man nothing will kill him and we get to see him again yep and he falls in love in Moonraker. And he falls in love with the little Swiss girl. With the little Swiss girl. It's so it's so endearing. Because in the first movie you're all scared of it, and in the next movie they make make a cartoon. I got major problems with Moonraker. We're gonna get there next next We we will so I'm sure I'll love it. And Brooke and Brooke will love it and Mark and I will hate it. it. (laughs) (laughs) This movie's great. (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't have a favorite character in this movie. Oh. Yes, I do. Naomi. Yeah. Ooh. All right. Oh, yeah. Bring it up with Naomi. Okay. Good. I like. I like that. Um. Yeah. The obvious answer is Jaws. Uh. Best one-liners. Oh my god. Oh, there are so many. Even with all those feathers, he still can't fly. I like from the very beginning when the girl in the log cabin's like, "But James." I need you. And he's like, so does England. He just walks away. Yeah. I don't know why I like that line so much. That was just so fucking cool. I like that. Well, and there's, there's a couple, like, um, 
when he first sees Naomi. <laughs> and she's walking away, and he looks back at Triple X, and he goes, like, looking at the boat, what a handsome craft. Such lovely what lines. <laughs> yeah, that was going to be my favorite. <laughs> Where's 007? He's in Austria. Well, tell him to pull out. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that one, too. That was great. Yeah. The the one that I hate, though, is the, the final line, the keeping the British end up. Anyway, yeah, I think it's it's not a one-liner in the traditional sense, but I feel like this is the first time where Q really gives that like <laughs> the speech about like you know pay attention this time and bring it back quit breaking my shit you know that thing like, do i ever disappoint you yeah like i feel like this is the first time where he re it, it's really sort of leaned in and distilled into that and then he <laughs> ends up giving basically that same speech for the next seven to ten movies yeah so. oh you know what i like wasn't so much of a line but we we see it repeated in a future bond movie where uh, he goes to Max Calba and Max Calba's dead, and he throws the out of order sign on his body. Yeah, that uh, was. <laughs> Daniel Craig does that in a future movie, uh, but I thought that was mm -hmm. funny. Also, not a one liner, but the fact that the song "Air on a G String" was playing when the woman was attacked by a shark, I thought, I thought that, that was, was great. That was cool. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Just that's, ironic that's a, that it's a G-string and she's in the water and the shark is killing her. I just thought that was funny. Why is that ironic, Brooke? Because G-strings. <laughs> <laughs> this piece of classical music is about an underwear. And it's James about Bond. About a sexy underwear. Yeah, that's the level. No. I, that is a beautiful piece of music, though. It is. And it is. It really this is. did kind of this did kind of ruin it a little tiny bit. So I'm just I like, I think so. It, don't I, I like her to the shark. Of that. I like the juxtaposition of a beautiful piece of music uh, that accompanies like horrible imagery. I've always liked that. Mm, yeah, it's been, I it's guess been, so. Well, in several movies, it's just it's it's cool. Yeah. No, I'm picking nits. That I, I really shouldn't complain about that too much. It's fine. Okay, here we go. Studio notes. Brooke, let's start with you. Oh my god. How do you want to completely redo this movie? Give her an hour. Just give it a damn crescendo. Oh my god. Okay. I just think that if she had had consistency in her character it would have changed the whole thing i ag agree and if she could have like acted it a little bit and maybe made the fight scenes a little bit more realistic at the beginning then you would have been actually engaged in the rest of the movie mm. and have a villain that's remarkable in some way Yes. Yep. I agree with that. Agree with that. 
Yeah. Take out the unnecessary jokes against women and just like let the characters be strong. Hmm, that's it. Yeah. Yep. Mark, what have you got for studio notes? Dude, honestly, the exact same thing Brooke did. Um, I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I like Triple X, Anya Amasova. I, I really like her. And you know that there's this backstory to her uh, that's really interesting. She's killed people. She even tells James Bond, like, you have a license to kill, you know, and pretty much like we have something in common. I I would have loved to have seen that lethality show itself in the movie. I want to see her take people Same. out, a la Black Widow. That would have been really cool. Um, so that's one studio note. Carl Stromberg, give him something else to do. Like, I, I, I sort of get where they were going with living under the sea and like we're, you know, humans are a blight on this planet. I get that. But it, it was so generic and kind of vague. Like, it, there wasn't really a plan to the plan. So change that up a bit. Give him something to do. Make him menacing. Like, like I don't know. Maybe do the killing yourself, bro. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to lose Jaws, so we need to figure that out. So those two things definitely I would change. But I also like I I really like Sheik Sheik Hussein. I wish there would have been a bigger role for him. I wish he would have done something more with Bond while he was in in Cairo. Mm-hmm. Those three things, if you change it, they was they would make this movie one of the absolute best Bond movies. But as it is, this is the best Roger Moore Bond movie made. Because um, it's gonna go downhill so quick from from this point forward. So yeah. fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're all thinking the same things. Um, I think with Anya, one of the key things that I want to see develop, besides giving her more backstory, more agency, more sense of a character, more consistency, less of the like seesaw between being. Uh, you know, a, a twit and, you know, super in charge. Um, there's this dangling thread around, like, the fact that Bond killed her previous right. boyfriend, lover. And that, like, comes and goes like, like it's almost nothing, where I think that is actually the most interesting thing in the entire movie. And if that had actually been played out and there was a much greater sense of treachery that like, as soon as this mission is over, she is going to kill you. Um, I think that would have made this so much better. I agree. And- I do think that is one of the most interesting things. And I was going to point this out after we talked about it, if neither of you had, is that their shared past and the person who the spy who they actually loved getting killed Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the exactly. only tie that makes the title make sense. But neither of you mm-hmm. even brought it up. Slackers. Oh, we're waiting See? for you, Brooke. Oh, yeah. whatever. Smart one. Yes. Yeah. Smart one here. Because I'm the woman. No, it's, it's just like <laughs> that scene between them, the briefest scene of the whole movie, was the most impactful. Mm-hmm. We both knew what we were getting into. We both share this heartache in this past. We have a yeah. job to do. And there is no time to dwell on it. And they both know it. And they have to move forward. And yep. nobody does it better than that spy that actually loved them. But here they are with second best. And they have to move forward. And that's heartbreaking. 
You know, you know, uh, I'm so, I'm so with you. <laughs> I'm so with you on that, Brooke. Uh, I love uh, the concept of the consequence of being a spy as viewed through the lens of your opponent. Uh, we're going to get something close to that when Sean Beam uh, shows up with Timothy Dalton. It's what Timothy mm -hmm. Dalton, right? Yeah. So there's a little bit of that. No, that's, with, no, no, no. That's no, no. in Goldeneye. Uh, with, that's uh, Goldeneye with uh, uh, Pierce Brosnan. Jeez, what happened to me? Yeah. Um, but I love the concept of that. Like, it's not just James Bond being the spy, doing spy things, but there are other spies at work, and there's things that happen that directly affect them. And when you see James Bond's actions through their eyes, it, it deepens the impact. Uh, and I would have loved to have seen that in this movie. Um, we, we They only talk about it like, oh, you killed my lover, and I'm going to be over it, and I'm going to have sex with you now. But they are like, fine, whatever. But there should have been more weight to that. We should have seen the pain behind, behind it all for her. Um, not James Bond defending himself and defending his actions. There should have been more weight to the consequences she suffered, the pain she feels, and the hatred she has because of that. They glossed over that way too much in this one. Yeah. Yep. That's that's my major, like, number one thing that I think would would take this movie from being, like, a 7 to, like, a 10. Yeah, um, yeah. The other thing I would I would trim a couple little things. I as much as I enjoy the disco, I think it makes this movie not age well. You're and right. I think this could have been more timeless if if they would have had a more classical score. Um, stuck with you know I I like the Bach. Um, you know keep keep more of those uh, of those classical pieces in it. I think that would have been great. Uh, and the other thing in the in the final act, um, if there's one specific thing I would tighten up, there's this whole subplot about how um, they've they've rescued all of the sailors, and but they've locked down the control room for the ship, and they have to like break in, so they're gonna like get a detonator out of a nuclear bomb and then blow it up and it takes them like 10 minutes and it's like, what are we doing here? You're just adding more business between when bond like gets to Atlantis to kill Stromberg and rescue Anya and, and have the final battle with jaws. You, you tighten all of that up there so that that transition happens much faster. Um, and I think there's probably other ways to, to cut that down and, yeah make generally make Stromberg better give him a better ending um th this is a random piece of information but Mark you will probably recognize this there is a Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode car called Our Man Bashir where um he, where one of the characters is playing a James Bond type adventure on uh on the holodeck and um the, an accident happens and members of the crew are playing different pieces. But the whole point is Avery Brooks ends up playing the main villain who is essentially the Stromberg character here. And it's the same thing. He's going to melt the polar ice caps and submerge the entire earth so that everyone lives under the ocean. And um, it, Avery book Brooks plays that role with so 
much fun and intensity and scenery chewing. It is amazing. I mean, not Avery everyone Brooks. is Avery. Yeah, yeah he's exactly. Avery Brook. Yep. Like, he's awesome. But, um, I mean, Avery Brooks was around at this time. Um, you know, you, we didn't have to, like Stromberg, I get it. He's made a, a bunch of other great movies, sure. But, um, you know, I, I, I just, I think you give the villain something more to do and put someone in there who's really going to make a meal out of it. Um, you know, because uh, Avery Brooks did more in like 20 minutes of a Star Trek episode than Stromberg did in two hours of a movie. So just, that's just the quality. That's the quality of actor though. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And yeah. directing. Yeah, and, and directing. Yeah. God, Deep Space Nine, just, it's still my absolute favorite Star Trek series. However, Same. and I'm sorry to deviate from what we're talking about, but I gotta say this. Uh, Hard, y'all need to watch it. If whoever's listening, get your ass in gear and watch Picard because it's brilliant. And Discovery has been on freaking point for the first two seasons, and I can't wait to see what's next. Uh, D Space Nine is still my favorite, but those two new Star Trek shows are edging it out just a bit. They're that good. So that's yeah. my Star Trek commercial for now. So uh, we expect our check from Paramount to be made out <laughs> to Mark's Kickstarter to help him buy the Wet Nelly. Paramount, please, please contribute to the Kickstarter so Mark can buy. You're back. You scratch mine, Paramount. Yep, that's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So um, I I think that's basically it on this movie. Uh, unless people have any other final thoughts. It's sad how quickly this goes downhill after this movie. Um, <laughs> That's when it goes it, downhill? No, it, it, just, just wait. Uh, just wait till you watch Moonraker. Uh, it, it gets... Uh, I mean, for your eyes only, It has. I have a soft spot for it because I mean, there's childhood memories associated with that. Watching it with my dad. Um, but it, it, admittedly, it's not very good, but I, I still have a soft spot for it. But everything else after this is just horrible. And then Sean Connery comes back and makes mm -hmm. makes a whole mess out of it. Uh, so mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're going into some dark days for James Bond. And um, they decide by to correct this by going much darker than I have major right. problems with that. So I'm not going to be very happy for, for a while. Well, this, yeah, this movie came out in 1977. I don't think we get another Bond movie that is, like, universally accepted and loved until 1995 with GoldenEye. GoldenEye, yeah. It's a, right. a decade and a half of Bond sort of in the wilderness, and we are going through a very rough patch for the next, uh, like, seven, eight movies. Uh, luckily, we are going to punctuate them with other little bird walks into other things because uh, I don't know how we could take it otherwise. Um, next week, we... Well, I don't know. Next... I don't know. Next week, Brooke, should we should we record your, your surprise episode for your happy birthday episode? Or should we 
do that after Moonraker? I will let you guys decide because it's... you're the birthday girl. It's up to you. Yeah, Let's we'll leave do... it a surprise. Yeah, so we'll leave it a surprise. In... Yeah, tune when when you see the episode uploaded uh, sometime around like the 18th, 19th uh, of May. Uh, then, if it is a random movie, then you will know it is Brooke's birthday surprise. If it is Moonraker, then we will have we will have done Moonraker and Brooke's birthday surprise will be after that. And we will not do that until after your birthday. But um, yeah, so so we'll see. Um, but that that pretty much does her for the spy who loved me. Um, thank you both for being here. Uh, this was fun, even though I'm I, I had fun I, too. I am still flabbergasted that <laughs> we disagreed so much on this brook, but that's okay. Hey, but we agreed at the end. That is true. We did. <laughs> We all agree on on where where this movie needs to be improved, and that's wonderful. So, yes. everyone enjoy your Bond movies. Uh, stay home if you can. Stay safe. Uh, wash your hands. Wear masks. Practice safe social distancing. Enjoy um, my birthday. Enjoy your birthday, Brooke, and uh, everyone be good to each other. Bye, uh, bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Nobody does it better. Nobody does it better. Don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? Big kiss. Thank you. That will be all. God damn it. That's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye.